morning. Um, our text this morning is from uh, Genesis 22, 1 through 9, and uh, it's entitled, Abraham's Faith is Tested. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. He tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Amen. The soldier had gotten separated from his unit. And as the storm around him intensified, communication became difficult. His heart started racing, and he started to break out in a sweat despite the frigid temperatures because he knew that between his location and home base, there was a minefield. How would he possibly negotiate that minefield without his unit, without communication? And that's when he saw them. Footprints in the snow. Someone had passed this way before. All he had to do was follow them until he found safety. So he started following, one step at a time. And then it wasn't long, though, before one set of footprints became two. And he stopped. Which set was he going to follow now? Well, the only men to have passed this way must have been from his unit. So either path must lead safely home through the minefield. So he decided to just go to the left, follow the footprints to the left. Maybe some of you would agree that navigating through life can feel like going through a minefield. Circumstances arise, storms rage, and you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You look to the advice of others. Surely someone else has had this experience. What did they do? How did they handle this situation? Maybe if I follow them, maybe if I do what they did, I'll be okay. You see, the background for our message today actually begins in Genesis chapter 20. Abraham has come to the land of Gerar, and he introduces Sarah, his wife, to King Abimelech. 
but he introduces her not as his wife. He says that Sarah is his sister. And so naturally, as any king would, when he sees a beautiful woman, he invites Sarah into his palace to make her his own wife. After all, Abraham said it's his sister. But then that night, God comes to King Abimelech in a dream. Don't touch her. She's married to Abraham. Do not touch her. King Abimelech wakes up terrified. He goes to Abraham, what have you done? What have you done? And Abraham explains his reasoning for what he did. So what King Abimelech does is he tries to make amends with Abraham. He makes a peace offering to him. In Genesis 20:14, it says, Abimelech took some of his sheep, some of his goats, cattle, and male and female servants, and he presented them to Abraham. Male and female servants from a pagan land have now been welcomed into Abraham's family. Now, servants worked closely with the families that owned them. They would be familiar with the goings-on in the family as they fulfilled their duties both in and outside of the home. The servants from a pagan land would have recognized a big difference in the way that they were treated by the followers of God versus the lands that they were coming from. The harsh treatment of former owners was no more. Instead, there was kindness. There was respect that hadn't been there before. These servants would have been witnesses to the celebration over the birth of Isaac. That was a promise fulfilled by this God of Abraham. They would have seen, as Abimelech said, God is with you in all that you do. They would have seen God blessing and blessing and blessing Abraham as he was obedient to this God that they didn't know. There was a great sense of joy and peace in this home, the servants saw. Until that one day, there was a heaviness about. There was an air of, of burden, an air of seriousness in the home that was once filled with joy and peace. Abraham was not his usual self. He appeared burdened in a way that they hadn't observed before. But the servants still did as they were told, even though they didn't understand. On this particular day, they watched Abraham rise early to accomplish his work. How unusual. Rise early. That's the work of a servant. Only servants get up early to do the work of their master. Abraham had no master. Or did he? Who was this God that Abraham spoke of? Did Abraham consider this God his master? He was certainly responding to this God as if he were following orders. And so they all packed up, servants, Abraham and Isaac, 
and they took off on a journey. They had traveled for three days, and they followed Abraham as he led them through the desert with an intense yet heavy sense of purpose the whole way until they reached the base of the mountain. Wait here, Abraham told the servants. Now here he was, traveling up a mountain to worship, he said, with wood, with fire, a knife, and a rope, but no offering. Usually, during a time of worship, Abraham had an offering, but not this time. Even in their pagan homeland, worship required a sacrifice. None of it made sense until, in a moment, the quiet of the desert around them was broken with a thundering voice from above. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And the angel of the Lord said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And the voice didn't stop. The servants continued to hear this thundering voice from the top of the mountain. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you. I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies, and by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they arose, and they went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now, as they traveled back home to Beersheba, no doubt that Isaac filled in the details for the servants, telling a story of a mighty God who provided for them, who brought life and hope to Isaac and Abraham, and the promise of a nation to come. Isaac was telling of a moment of fear, of uncertainty, until God stepped in and provided. Now the servants had not only heard the tale of faith, they had not only heard these tales of obedience of Abraham to this God, but now they were witnesses. They heard the voice. They were hearing a firsthand account from Isaac of what was happening up there. They were following Abraham place to place. Following Abraham place to place. This God asked Abraham to sacrifice his most beloved possession. 
He was a servant to this God after all. The pagan gods that the servants knew had asked for sacrifice too. But this God of Abraham was different. He was a kind master. He provided for Abraham. What if this God of Abraham, in his mercy, that provided the sacrifice himself, what about this God of Abraham blessing me? I want to know this God of Abraham that provides, that has kindness, that has mercy. I want to know this God of Abraham that loves him and cares for him because he's not the same God of my homeland. Then they saw Abraham give this God a new name, Jehovah-Jireh, the God who provides. The pagan gods don't allow us to change their name. They ask for sacrifice. They ask us to be servants, but they don't give us kindness back. They don't bring us mercy. But this God of Abraham, he's different. How do we know that this God of Abraham, working through Abraham, had an impact on his servants? How do we know? Genesis 24 tells us, Abraham was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, Take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. Abraham trusts his servant enough to put him in charge of all that he has and trust him enough to find a wife for Isaac. Now remember, from Isaac there will come a great nation. The matter of his wife is a big deal, and Abraham trusts this task to his servant, the same servants that came from the pagan land. The word doesn't say that this was the same servant that was at the base of the mountain. But all of those servants had to have heard the stories of Abraham's God. They were witnesses to Abraham's faith. They were witnesses to Abraham's obedience to this God, his master. And if that doesn't convince you, let's skip down to Genesis 24, verse 12. Oh, Lord. You hear that? Oh, Lord, God of my master Abraham, he prayed. Please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I am standing here beside this spring, and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says yes, 
Have a drink, and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. This servant is praying to the God of Abraham. And not just praying, he called him Lord. The servant is seeking guidance and direction from the God of Abraham, just like he saw Abraham do. The servant remembers that one time in particular when Abraham traveled for three days in obedience to the Lord to do an unthinkable task, knowing that his strength could only come from the Lord. Here was Abraham's servant remembering how Abraham handled the unknown path. And yet he still chose obedience and trust. So too does the servant trust in the Lord. He's trusting in the Lord to guide him in an unknown path to find a wife for Isaac. It was a lesson that he learned well by watching and following Abraham. In life, we are always simultaneously following someone and leading someone. People are watching us to find their way through unknown areas of life. Abraham's servants were led to a place of hope. They were led to a place to find a God who provided and a God who guided through life's uncertainties. The soldier from the beginning of our message was not so fortunate. As he followed the second set of footprints to the left, he found a dead end, a trap that was set by the enemy to capture him. Had he followed the footprints to the right, he would have been led safely home. You see, the soldier mistakenly thought that both paths led to home. Wasn't everyone in the storm just trying to get home? Aren't we all just trying to get home? And if we're all just trying to get home, don't all paths go to the same place? No. It matters who we follow. Not all paths lead to the same place. Only one path leads us to life. Only one path leads us to hope. Jesus spoke in John 8:12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Who we follow, we also imitate. Because we want to be like them. We want to find success just as they did. So we follow their example. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. He said, you became imitators of us and of the Lord having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. The Thessalonians were following Paul and the Lord. 
You see, Paul was following in the way of Jesus. And so the Thessalonians were following in the way of Paul. They were staying on the right path, the path that led to hope, the path that led to life. Who are you following? Because someone is watching you. There's someone who is following you. Are you leading them towards a dead end? Or are you leading them towards life and hope, like Abraham did with his servants? What our soldier didn't realize, but there was another member of his unit that was tracking his footprints to find safety home. And as his fellow soldier got to that same diverging footprints, he too went to the left, thinking that two sets meant safety in numbers. Oh, if I just go with the crowd, if I just follow the path that everybody else is taking, that must be the right way. Fortunately for the second soldier, the storm had begun to let up. And he was intercepted by another soldier in their unit before hitting the dead end. And he was directed back to the right path that led safely home through the minefield. You see, the example of Abraham and his servants is not only an example for us of sacrifice and faithful obedience. It's a reminder to us that people are watching us in our faithful obedience to our master. People are following us. People are trying to find their way in this uncertain world. They're looking for direction. They're looking for someone to follow. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We're called to lead people by example towards the light, toward life, toward Jesus. Abraham and Isaac, it's not just a Sunday school story. Those servants are mentioned three times in those 19 verses. There's a reason that those servants are in there. They have no lines. They really don't have a purpose other than who's following Abraham. The servants were. The servants were a witness to everything that God was doing through Abraham. And what happened? then they wanted to know that God of Abraham. And as they became followers of that God of Abraham, then they went on the right path towards life, towards hope. And then they were in the history book for finding that wife for Isaac. There was their purpose. But they were following somebody first. The God who spoke to Abraham still speaks to us today. 
the God who provided for Abraham, still provides for us today. Recently, I lost a friend to a lengthy battle with cancer. She went home to be with the Lord, but during this difficult several-year battle, there were many who saw her faith in action. There was one person in particular, her landlord. He was a kind Jewish man, and he watched with amazement her faith. He watched with amazement her strength and her peace. He remarked often about her will to keep going on and her will to be hopeful no matter the circumstances and the storms that raged around her. And then two years ago, the unthinkable happened to him. He received his own cancer diagnosis. But he remembered the faith of my friend. And he hoped to face the challenge with the same positive attitude that she did. Unfortunately, his battle is coming to an end. But he still remembers that joy she had. He still remembers the peace and the hope that my friend experienced as she looked forward to going home to be with Jesus. Now, as he deals with the uncertainties ahead of his journey... As he looks at the minefield before him, between here and home, he's asking about this Jesus, the one who gave my friend hope. He wants to follow the example of someone who brought life and light into the world in a way that he had never seen before. He's following a follower of Jesus to find the way home. Who are you following? It matters. Like our soldier who mistakenly thought that all paths led home, we need to know that only one path leads us home. The others will take you to a dead end. Who you're following matters because someone is following you, whether you realize it or not. Someone is watching you. And I don't believe you want to leave them at a dead end. We need to be on the right path. Decide who you're going to follow. We saw two illustrations of that today with the story of Debbie's grandsons. Tom and Debbie were following Jesus. They had two little boys that were witnesses to them following Jesus. And they remembered it. They're still, oh, I remember. I remember, Grammy. I remember. I remember how much you loved me, Grammy. Who are you following? Because there's someone behind you watching. And as we, we send off one of our seniors... Who's she following? She's following us. She's looking to us to pray for her, to guide her. Who are you following? Because someone is watching.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the little details in your word that open up a whole new world for us to study. We hear the Abraham and Isaac story so often that sometimes we miss the the hidden things, the servants. They're in there for a lesson for us, Lord. We thank you. You say in the Psalms, Lord, that you will teach us and instruct us in the path to take. Father, we praise you for that. And we pray that you keep our eyes focused on you. That when we start to stray from your path, Lord, that you you bring us back. We pray that we can be the light that directs others to the path to Jesus. As we leave this place, as we walk our path, may we keep our eyes on you and be aware that there are others following in our footsteps, looking for guidance, looking for direction, and may we point them to you, Lord. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.